0: KYW Original Podcasts.
1: Hey, Paul Kurtz here. Just back from a long weekend in Asheville, North Carolina. Asheville is one of the hottest beer towns in America. There's a ton of breweries there, and uh, during my stay, I and my wife visited as many as we could. uh, Probably more than we should have, but um, what each stop I went to, uh, I and my wife tried to speak to if, if we could find the owners, we would speak to them or the managers about where they came from. And, and it's all pretty much the same story, you know, from home brewer to brewery owner. You know, they, they, they all pretty much have done that kind of story. Sat down with Bill and Jetta Pyatt, uh, who threw away successful straight-laced corporate careers to get down and dirty in the world of hops and barley. They opened Catawba Brewing in the 1990s and uh, never looked back.
0: We are uh, 20 years old. We celebrated our 20th uh, anniversary as a company uh, in July. Yeah, I know, it's hard to believe. And the reason we're in this business, it's all her fault. In 1996, and this is part of our charm in Biltmore Village. A <laughs> train. There's a the train coming through. And of course our air conditioning lets the train sounds in. The
1: air conditioning is a huge garage door that uh, it's very airy, it's, it's, it's very airy in here. And that's a freight train. You're blaming uh, your lovely wife for what, you're, what you got yourself into. It's
0: her fault. I, I had a, I told uh, some folks today, I had a perfectly good life up until 1996. I, I wore suits. I traveled the planet as a corporate executive. We both worked 30 years for Corning Incorporated. I uh, called on the heads of telecommunications companies all around the world, stayed in fancy hotels, flew first class. Then she bought me a homebrew kit. And this is the way I dress now. I have on shorts. I have on no socks. I almost never wear socks. A brewing shirt. uh, And it's been the most fantastic change in my life ever. What was the first beer you ever brewed? I was traveling out west quite a bit, west coast of the U.S., and I was in love with um, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale and Anchor Steam. Those were two beers you really had a hard time finding in North Carolina back in the mid-'90s. And so um, I made clone versions of both of those. They turned out obviously they turned out well for you. I liked them, but the recipe was something that Jeddah bought off the shelf, and it was packaged up by a home brew shop. And I thought, geez, this is great. I'd like to know more about it, and I fell in love not just with the beers—that's fine—but with the the way you make them, the ingredients, the mechanical configuration of the equipment. I made my own equipment, and the history of this great little industry. I mean, our, our history in beer goes back to the ancient uh, ancient Sumatrans. Uh, beer's been a part of human life since geez, over a thousand years, uh, and it's uh, still <laughs> kind of a center of social gathering uh, uh, now.
1: sure is. Why did you do this to your poor husband? So he's, you know, the consummate engineer, has everything in the world, every tool, every everything that you know he needs he buys himself so i was looking for a christmas gift and a friend of mine had his wife had bought him a homebrew kit so he um he said his wife sandy had gotten him a great birthday gift and i said you know what and and he said it's a homebrew kit and my first reaction was you can brew your own beer and so a friend of mine and i rode down to charlotte before the internet rode down to charlotte went into the homebrew store which was in a really sketchy part of town which is a very nice part of town now. And um, I bought all the homebrew gizmos and two recipes and gave it to him for Christmas. Yeah. And, of course, being the engineer, then you want to take that apart every which way and figure out how it works. I I reverse-engineered not only
0: the recipes but all the equipment. And we made this from concentrate, dried malt extract, and you boil it a little bit and add some hops and ferment it with some packaged yeast and make no decisions you just follow the recipe and it and it turned out fine but then we started experimenting to the point that um, uh, we went to Belgium in uh, oh 95 just on a beer bench uh, and, uh, to try all the beers we had read about in what was then the consummate guide to beer Michael Jackson's the beer owner. Uh, not the dancer Michael Jackson a yeah, British yeah. writer Michael yeah. Jack- yeah. you know yeah, yeah. And, I mean, we just fell in love with the whole with the whole thing. When did you open? Good story. Uh, loved what we were doing. The corporate life, great experience. My brother uh, was a ski instructor in the winter. He would go to Steamboat every winter and then come back home in the summer. And that life wears on you. At about the time we were homebrewing together in the summer, he started wanting a real job. And we were getting pretty good at this homebrew gig and decided, okay, let's... Let's give it a try. There were twelve or 1,300 breweries in the time, uh, at the time, so we decided we would go pro. So in 1999, uh, after about a year of setting up and finding used equipment and a really crappy building in western North Carolina, a small town in western North Carolina, to do this, we uh, made our first beers about 30 miles from where we're sitting, 40 miles from where we're sitting, and uh, trucked them up the mountain, brought them to Barley's Tap Room in Asheville, Mellow Mushroom in Asheville, and the Beer Garden in Asheville, and sold our first nine kegs. That's all we can make the first run. Mm-hmm. Those are still customers today, 20 years later here in downtown Asheville. Not bad. As you're wandering around Asheville, you'll run into one or all of these places, and they have always been great craft brew supporters. 20 years ago, they would look at my brother and me and say, boys, this is good, but are you sure you're legal to sell this? And, <laughs> And we were, I mean, at the time it was an oddity. There were only a handful of breweries in the southeast. And so we did it the right way, a legal way. Um, Sold those kegs, made enough money to go buy some ingredients and make some more. And uh, 20 years later, we're an overnight success. (laughs) (laughs) Now, um, so you guys lived in Philadelphia for, for a while. Until what year? So that think about, uh, so we went pro in 99 year. We were in Philadelphia with corning jobs, with our telecommunications jobs, from 98 through 2000. So as we were building the brewery down in North Carolina, we were doing our day jobs up in Philadelphia area, which we dearly love, by the way. It's uh, Man, I, there are a lot of things I miss. Uh, the restaurants, the sports, the uh, great people. Don't miss the traffic. Uh, but we were building the brewery down in North Carolina every weekend. I would drive down 500 miles, sleep on my brother's couch, and uh, we would do what we do. And then I would drive back up for the next week and do our job. I have mixed
1: feelings about that because you could have been ours. <laughs> so this, this, this accent is pure, right? I,
0: I am. I, I grew up 25 miles that way. Yeah, I'm pointing uh, east, 25 miles east from where we're sitting. And I was always going to come home. It was just... A matter right. of time. My wife is from Eastern Tennessee, okay. and so it's not. We, we need no, to be right out. here. Yeah. We needed to be right here.
1: But you would, I, I guess, we could consider Catawba a pioneer of the the, the beer business down here in Asheville. Uh, absolutely, And
0: yeah. Western North Carolina, was a early adopter in general. Um, Catawba Highland Brewing Company, Asheville Brewing Company, Green Man, uh, French Broad. Uh, those are some of the old guard. And if you get a little east of here, you get into uh, Foothills and some of those guys. But really, it's just a handful of people that started this thing here.
1: So wh- why, how did Asheville become I mean, uh, such a great mecca for
0: craft beer? It's, uh, number one, North Carolina has some fantastic um, supportive laws that allowed us to self-distribute. We can make five, ten kegs and towed them up the mountain and sell them directly to bars and restaurants. It wasn't a mandatory distribution state, and it still isn't a mandatory distribution state. So whatever it takes, any, any
1: way you want to any
0: way, any way you want to go, up to a size limit that is big and, and, um, and that's fine. The other part is I, I just really think Western North Carolina always had a craft economy. We like to know who our musicians are. We like to know who makes our food. We, we, we like to know the guy that makes our beer. We like to um, know the artist that painted the mural on the side of the building. And it is a very supportive and nurturing environment. And we were lucky to be granted inclusion into that environment a long time ago. In the uh, mid to late 70s, I, I was in high school. I graduated high school in 78, just the next county over. And we've got nothing. Um, the mall, the, the region's only mall was here. When the mall was built in the 70s, It sucked all the life of downtown away. Downtown boarded up, and what you know and see and love about downtown Asheville had boards on the windows in the 80s. You wouldn't go downtown. It was hookers and drug dealers and homeless people. Over the years, that became cheap real estate, and the building owners began to lease it out to people like us that didn't have a lot of money, but were craft-oriented. So you might have an artist studio, a small restaurant, a brewing company Highland Brewing Company started right downtown in cheap real estate and over the years it became known as a kind of an avant-garde it's the South's only yeah I would say at least if not um, Athens Georgia and in uh, and, and Asheville North Carolina uh, together maybe the South's only avant-garde areas where kind of come and live in the hippie-ish lifestyle it's very self-supportive crafty oriented support the artists support the restaurant tours And those are good places to be a craft brewery. Um, Couple that with North Carolina's laws that allow us to get into business, to make beer and sell it directly over the counter to consumers, or sell it directly ourselves to bars and restaurants. Then you can capture a little margin as you're growing and and create a, a profitable business that can stay around for a little while. The other thing that becomes evident over the years, we've been doing this a long time here, is we're better together. My problem is not the breweries right across the street from me. Hillman Brewing where we sit, French Broad where we sit, Highwire. These are friends of mine. We work together to lift an entire industry. Our job is to get attention away from some of the bigger guys, the Anheuser Busch, the Miller Coors. And we have always been brothers and sisters in this in, in this environment. On Labor Day, one of my friends at, at Highwire Brewing put out a call and said, Hey, I need some grain. We don't have an order in. I need to make some beer. He had some specific needs. We're sitting, we're working. Jetta comes in, into the office said, hey, reach out to Chris and let's see if we can help him. And we had what he needed. We did. And they went to Morganton about an hour away to our biggest facility and picked it up. I mean, it is uh, it is that kind of, of an environment. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I think it's still good to come to Asheville, North Carolina, to Western North Carolina, and be in this little... Um, a kind of kind of small brewing industry. We're not so small anymore. No, there are about 7,500 craft breweries in the United States now, and Catawba has quietly crept into the top 100. We're like, and I know where you're sitting in, in our Biltmore tasting room. It doesn't look like we're a pretty good size operation. We are. We have 115 people. Uh, we're selling beer in five states. We have four manufacturing locations, and are just so blessed with the people that work for us. That support us in all of our markets, our suppliers, our distributors, uh, the press that uh, uh, follows and, and gets our message out all the time. It, it's a it's a great and nurturing environment for twenty years.
1: Will you be coming to Pennsylvania or New Jersey or Delaware?
0: Yeah, I, I I it's it's really interesting. This this mar- this market has changed so much. I, I will never say never. What I will tell you is it's harder and harder with all with seventy five hundred crap breweries. Everybody's got a brewery in their neighborhood. And it's harder and harder to be relevant in areas outside of your shadow. And that's one of the reasons that we have a brewery in, in downtown Asheville. I hope you'll go by and see later. Oh we're gone. Please please do. <laughs> we have we have we have a brewery in Charlotte, in a very nice area of Charlotte. And it's not just a tap room, it's a brewery because we want to learn from the people that come in, each of our locations. We get inspired from those folks, we get new recipes and we try new things in those locations. And we give a little back to the communities where we locate. We do the same thing in Charleston, South Carolina. We own Palbano Brewing and, and it's um, fantastic. We learn and we get inspired from each of those locations. The other thing that's important to us, we we run our company on six main principles and the one that we hold near and dear to our hearts, because we grew up here, is give back. We We want to anchor. We want to employ people in the areas that we service. And we want to give back to charitable causes. We want to make sure that we leave a a good vibe around our our place. We want to make sure that we give back to the people that support us. Charity can be any range. It can be... This this just happened to us. um, A a regular in in our tasting room that had a medical issue. Having a little problem with the bills. It's fine. You're not a... I'm not going to get a tax break from giving our regular money, but he needs money. So we have a pint nut for for this customer, and we make sure that uh, we help him with his medical pills, and that's great.
1: Uh, your styles of, of beer, do you have a, a, any particular style that you really, really hit hard, well? Our
0: our largest seller is, to me, one of the most clean, crisp, um, simple styles of beer out there. It's white zombie Belgian white ale it's coriander and orange peel it doesn't offend anyone it brings people into the category and it's just a wonderful beer it's been so good for us it's our um, number one seller across all brands palmetto and catawba if it were its standalone brewery it would be inside the top 250 in the nation if it were its own brewery and great it puts the roof on the building and the tires on the trucks and uh, we we, uh, we love doing it we make everything. The smaller breweries, our Charlotte and Asheville facility, their job is just to make new beers. So we'll do everything from big hazy IPAs to some beautiful right now some beautiful German style and inspired lagers. This um, blueberry hefeweizen just came out Thursday, and it, it first time I've had it, it's wonderful. So anything all over the map. Billy Jetta, thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Thanks for coming. in. Uh, my pleasure.
1: Thank you.
0: Ah, oh, yeah, this is... Was- so, so